name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can become nightmares. Come join me and get lost in horrific reverie about true crimes and eerie events. Reverie True Crime Podcast, available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hey there, true crime friends. It's Melanie Peterson, the host of Mask of Sanity. Join me as I take you through the cases of some of the world's most notorious killers and the brave men and women who risked it all to capture them. You can find Mask of Sanity wherever you listen to podcasts and hear all about the calculated madness of some of the world's most brutal killers who hid behind the Mask of Sanity. You won't want to miss this. Until next time, stay safe, friends. It's really hot in here, so I've decided that I'm going to do the whole episode pantsless. Pants off, dance off. Mm, it's more like a pants off podcast off. But it's not a competition. Isn't it? No. That's true. We wouldn't be winning it anyway. Wait. But we are. We should be, because we're badass bitches. We're awesome. What is the name of that bike that we rented down at Presque Isle the other Surrey. day? A Surrey. I've realized after riding that, really mostly riding because I realized- Because I did all the work. How fucking short I am compared to other adults. Because my feet could barely reach the pedals unless I sat all the way forward. Big Dub could reach the pedals. When he sat all the way forward. Yeah, I know. But if I sat back at all, I couldn't reach him. That made my butt hurt so bad. My butt still hurts from riding that damn thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a good workout, though. Yeah, it was. For you? Well, I was conditioned, so it's okay. How are you conditioned? Is it all you're walking around at work? Thick thighs save lives, my guy. Dude, for real, people back in the day who did nothing but ride bikes or walk everywhere had to have had just, like, thunder thighs, man. Thunder, thunder thighs. Miss Eve knows what's up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still hold it near and dear to your heart that she liked your tweet? Yes. I, she pops up on my feet every once in a while, and I get nerdy excited because I love Miss Eve's. Hello. Hi. I'm Joel. I'm Emily. You're listening to Drink Drunk Dead. That wasn't that good. Dead. There you go. That's better. I was amazing. You were amazing. I failed. So, what are you drinking tonight, baby? Oh, boom. Shagalaga. Um, I'm drinking water tonight. Chilling it out a little bit? With a side of Jack Daniels. You love your Jack Daniels. Sure do. It's lasted me a whole week. <laughs> yeah, right. You went and <laughs> bought a new bottle. <laughs> Brand spanking new as of today. As of today? Uh-huh. You going to ask me what I'm drinking? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell them anyway. Okay. 
I'm drinking my favorite tequila. Yeah? Yeah. What's that? Jose Cuervo Gold. Jose Cuervo. Jose Cuervo. How's that? It's delicious. For real, for real, my butt cheeks hurt. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sitting is not comfortable. Sorry, not sorry. This gives me more of an excuse to just lay down or sit back in that recliner and be a complete fucking bum. As if you needed a reason? I don't, but I appreciate the reason. What was your reason this reason. morning? Fuck off, man. What was your reason last yesterday? Are you... <laughs> How about the day before? Okay, so today I slept in for the first time of really sleeping in in ages. Oh, that must be nice. Don't ever remember what that was like. Oh, shut up. You do it every damn week. Excuse me? You do. And you know you do. So you did the spotlight for this week. What'd you pick? Oh, I did? Every fucking week, dude. Every week. Every week. You realize it's only to get on your nerves. Oh. Well, you're very good at it. And because I didn't. What? So I went with the Ark. The Ark? The Ark. I don't think I've ever heard of that as an organization. Sounds like something out of a movie. I saw something on Twitter just the other day. This is unrelated. You actually go on Twitter? I'm a millennial, you know. <laughs> and it was, I, I don't remember everything about it now, but it was like this guy somewhere built an ARC. Or an organization, maybe, or something like that. Or a group of people, not an organization. Built an ARC um, to spec of what Noah had built. And it actually looked pretty badass. And then somebody had quoted tweet, and they were like, should we be worried? <laughs> 2020 has kind of been a crapshoot of a year. Yeah, seriously. There was somebody in California who was diagnosed with the bubonic plague. Did you see that? That happens every year. That's not unusual. It's still Okay, but it's 2020. The- have you not been living in the same year that everybody else has been living it's in? It's not a big deal. They have a- It's a huge deal. No, they have Let a medicine that can- Take care of it easily. Medicine don't fix everything. The Prayer and gospel does. does. Oh, oh, you're right. Praise Jesus, praise Allah, praise Buddha. Shalom to all my Jesuit brothers. What? Yeah, you wouldn't know because you're not Jewish. Jesuits aren't Jewish. They are. Oh, my God. Okay, so what's the, you said it's the Ark. It's the Ark. Tell me about your your spot. You want to know about the Ark? I do. I want to know about the Ark. In 1950, little was known about intellectual disability, which was then referred to as mental retardation, or developmental disability, or its causes. There were virtually no programs or activities to to assist in the development and care of people with IDD, or to support the families. It was common for doctors to tell parents that the best place for their child was in an institution. But these advocates wanted more. They had wanted their loved ones to lead fulfilling lives in communities and to not be shuttered away in dark institutions. Emboldened by their collective desire to raise children in the home and the refusal to accept that institutionalization was their only option, the Ark was born. And it, this was started as a group of mothers. It usually is moms that stand up and say, hey, something needs to change. Right. 
women. Right. Women make the world better. Except for the ones that go out and kill, but most of us don't do that. Maybe not physically, but emotionally. Sometimes with beef tea. Lindsay. Throwing shots? No, no. Lindsay did a an episode on yield crime about a woman who would, I think she put arsenic or something like that in beef tea. Which, who the fuck drinks Sounds beef tea? Gross. That's that t-shirt There's that I got that's issue. so good. Yeah. <laughs> Through the decades, the ARC has advocated for the passage of state and federal legislation on behalf of people with disabilities and established a broad network of state and local chapters that range from small voluntary groups to large professional organizations. From 1953 to 1973, they were known as the National Association for Retarded Children, or NARC, NARC. From 1973 to 1981, they were known as the National National Association for Retarded Citizens. Again, NARC. 1981 to 92, they were known as the Association for Retarded Citizens in the United States. This was where ARC was born. And from 1992 to present, they're known of known as the ARC of the United States. So they completely abolished that word. Mm-hmm. For 69 years, the ARC has created more than 600 local chapters and over 1,000 national and community programs to drive change and protect the rights of individuals with disabilities. Their mission is to promote and protect the rights of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and actively support their full inclusion and participation in the community all throughout their lives. Every day, the ARC fights to perfect to protect civil rights and access to vital programs, such as Medicaid, for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The ARC acts to ensure that people with IDD, their parents, siblings, family members, and other concerned members of the public have meaningful opportunities to inform and guide the direction of the organization's advocacy, including determining policy and positions on important issues. The ARC strives for diversity in its leadership, as well as in all facets of the work of the organization. The ARC leads by articulating a positive vision for the future of people with IDD and catalyzes public and private support and realization of the vision through carefully planned and well-executed goals, strategies, and actions. Throughout the years, the ARC has done many amazing things for the battle of equality in society for people with disabilities. And there was a bunch, but I kind of just pulled some of the th- ones that I thought were kind of most important mm-hmm. or really outstanding. In the 1950s, starting in the 1950s, they became the first organization to put money into research on intellectual and developmental disabilities. The first? Which is a huge step. Not until the 1950s? 1950s. Damn. That's ridiculous, because this has been known about for. Ever. It's been known about, but you don't care. People didn't care. No kidding. Put them in the closet and lock away the key. It's easier to do that. It's easier to forget than to have to deal with it. I mean, that's still, unfortunately, oftentimes the way it is today with anything. I think that's part of human nature, unfortunately. It just that makes me sad that it took that long. Right. 
In the 1960s, they opened a governmental affairs office in Washington, D.C. They were also represented on the first presidential panel of mental retardation, which was known as the PPMR, as well as exposing the link between lead poisoning and harmful effects in infants and children. That's shaped a lot for today. Right. If you go try and buy a house anywhere, there's all kinds of like lead warnings and lead testing that has to be done because they have to make sure that it's safe. Lead was widely used in paint across all applications. So what they did probably, well, it was used in toys. It was used in all kinds of stuff. Right. So what they did probably changed quite a bit. In the 70s, the ARC advocates for the creation of the Supplemental Security Income Program to provide income from persons with severe disabilities who have little to no income, as well as establishing Medicare and Medicaid programs for people with IDD. They did this? Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I didn't know that. In the 1980s, they helped to create the Supported Employment Program within the Rehabilitation Act. The ARC successfully pushes Congress to add disability as a protected class under the Fair Housing Act. And they also helped to pass legislation to expand education services to infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. Which, I mean, really when you think about it, especially with somebody, with, with, with any person, those first few years of somebody's life are the most influential and impactful. Oh yeah, that that's is where right. you set values and you 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 lay the first few ties in the in the railway to somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Big W would be proud of you for that one. Yeah, the first few mm-hmm. ties in the railway. Mm-hmm. In the nineties, the ARC is a leader among national disability groups to advocate for the landmark Americans with the D- Disabilities Acts. They also receive a grant from the Center for Disease Controls and Prevention to support the development and dissemination of the Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Resource and Materials Guide. In the 2000s, early 2000s, the ARC participates in the drafting of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Person with Disabilities. They also win expanded provisions in the Individuals with Disability Education Act and the Higher Education Act that will help students move from public schooling to higher education, employment, and adult life. 2010s to present, the ARC supports passage of Rose's Law, which replaces the outdated term mental retardation with intellectual disability in federal health, education, and labor policy, which I think is huge. How we speak about something, anything, really matters. The words that we choose to use affect how other people receive that message. Exactly. Also, they support the passage of the ABLE Act, which creates tax-advantaged savings accounts for individuals with disabilities who are exempt from means testing and federal programs. All of which that entails, I'm not completely sure, but... As well, they also are instrumental in defeating attempts by Congress to block grant and cap Medicaid, a change in the structure of the program that would have had great impact on the lives of people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. That's still an ongoing, that is ever an ongoing battle to protect Medicaid. People think it's just something that's out there for 
the elderly and, oh, we're dumping too much money into it. But it really covers so many more people than you realize. Social Security, SSI, and Medicaid are two very important things. And they really don't even provide that much. It's it's a program that helps, but the government doesn't put that much money into it. And we don't put enough value into those citizens. It's a, cha- it's a challenging situation, but at least there is an organization like this that's out there fighting for these individuals to have that recognition and at least have something. And that's what it takes because, I mean, if these individuals alone, and not to say that there isn't very bright people, but oftentimes it takes a much larger team with people with connections and the education to make a change. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure... Even if you are intellectually capable of achieving that education, there are so many hindrances, even looking at our own schools, for anybody who's physically disabled to get out there and attain that education can be a challenge because it's just not that easy to navigate a university campus. It's not easy to navigate life in general Yeah, for a normal person. Yeah. For somebody with no hindrances. Mm-hmm. I really like that you picked that one. I think that was a great one to pick. So you can go to donate.thearc.org. It's A-R-C. To learn more or to... Support. To support. Learn how to advocate. That's a big thing. It's going to be a huge thing in all of our spotlights is learn how to become an advocate for what's important to you. Obviously, it's really hard to advocate for everything that we put out there. But if you hear something that really hits close to home for you, or you think that this is a really deserving cause or organization or whatever, check out those websites and learn how to become an advocate and help them. Because they always need more. So thank you for sharing that. That was a good one. They're all good ones. I say it every time. That's a good one, but they're all good ones. Shall I segue into telling you some fun facts today then? All right. This week I have a few fun nature facts for you because I'm a nature nerd. These are things that I find really fun. Other people are going to be like, wow, that's so boring. The Arctic is considered a desert because it receives little precipitation and is home to sparse vegetation. A lot of people don't think of it a lot. When you think of deserts, you think of like is super that how hot, a desert arid, is defined? Yes, little precipitation and sparse vegetation. That would be a desert. Lack of precipitation. It doesn't have anything to do with temperature. It has to do with precipitation and so the ability your EPA for EPA this grow. summer. Yeah, pro- I, I think that would be accurate. 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 Rainforests don't only occur around the equator. Actually, there are there's what's known as temperate rainforests, which I freaking love temperate rainforests. They're all over the world, including the Pacific Northwest, southern Japan, and northwestern Europe. So they're freaking everywhere. Some of the really famous ones are like Oregon, Washington, Alaska has some very widely known temperate rainforests, but they're everywhere. One of the largest living organisms in the world is a 2,400-acre fungus mycelium in Oregon. 
That's one of my all-time favorite facts when people are like, the blue whale's the biggest living organism. No, it's not. What is it? It's a fungus. It's a 2,400-acre fungus. Okay, but then... It's a living organism. By pure definition, maybe, but it doesn't have a brain. Don't you be shitting all over my fungi. I'm shitting all over your fucking fungi, dude. Haley, I am calling on you to help me (laughs) shoot him down in this. Fungi are amazing, and we wouldn't be here without them. Like, they do so much for our planet. No, don't step on that cat. Okay, I'm not saying that they're not amazing. But you can't compare a whale to a fungus. Why not? Because you can't. It's a plant versus an animal. It a is two fungus very is bit not different things. A plant. It is. No, it's not. A fungus and a plant and an animal, they're all completely different kingdoms. They're not. <laughs> Fungi are closer to us than plants are. Okay. Are they closer to us than animals are? We are animals. Exactly. So, no. Oh, my God. No. They're I'm impressed the by largest. the fungus. Okay. It's a living organism. Are you going to say that a plant, which is not that closely related to us, is not a living organism? Yes. Fuck off, man. Okay, my last little fun fact I'm going to say it just to be a dick, not because I believe it. I don't like it. Cool. You can sleep on the couch tonight. Oh, you think that's how that works? That's how it works. The tardigrade, a.k.a. I my fat ass on the side of the bed. Shut the fuck up in the (laughs) (laughs) You mad, bro. The tardigrade, a.k.a. the water bear, is a microscopic organism that only grows to about like a millimeter in length at its largest, and it can withstand extremely low temperatures, desiccation, and even the vacuum of space. Like, they literally put it in a vacuum for like 14 days and still were able to bring it back. That's one-tenth of a meter. A millimeter is not one-tenth, it's one one-thousandth. You didn't let me finish my sentence before I said that. <laughs> you just ate shit on that one your face. No, one tenth, <laughs> one tenth times one tenth. <laughs> we know that wouldn't even make sense. Your face. One tenth times ten. No, that would make sense. I'm right. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Oh, God. I love the target. <laughs> You're so pretty. So. I had never heard of the water bear until. Big W was super into the Cat in the Hat cartoon. You really never heard of a water bear? I hadn't. It was never. It was something I'd never heard of before. And you're a scientist. This was like six years ago that I first heard of it. You were not a scientist then. I. You can hear of many things. There are plenty of things in life I've never heard of that doesn't make me not a scientist. You ever heard of me being the sexiest person alive? Mm-mm, not tonight. I hadn't heard that. I heard you We're being a big old butthead. So those That's are my rude of you to say. Well, you've been shitting all over my science. So fuck you and my fungi, man. Fuck you and your fungi. That's right. Mm-mm. Yes, sir. Fuck off. <sighs> so those are my fun facts. I'm gonna do a quick little reminder. This is our last week for our giveaway. So I'm going to put up a link this week to all of the questions and all of the episodes so you can go through and listen and you can answer each of the questions if you want to. It's five chances to enter the 
last day that I will accept entries is going to be on September 5th. So that's going to be the day before our first September episode. It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Got you. I was playing with your faces. Before our first September episode comes out. And then we'll announce the winner the following week. So, yeah. Also, we just want to keep it fresh in your mind that a baboon butt can also shape shift to the size of a softball. So, we also want y'all to check out our Patreon. Because we got some cool shit for all you motherfuckers that decide that it's your thing. You better put that in there. I don't want you editing that out. It sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to say it twice just so you can. Also, we just want y'all motherfuckers to to know that uh, check out that Patreon because we the motherfucking thing. Mm-hmm. What's so special about our Patreon? What can they get on Everything. Why, do you, why don't you just ask me what isn't special about our Patreon? You don't even know what's on our Patreon. Okay. We have five different levels. Okay. What's the lowest dollar it's amount? It's perfect for everybody. $3. What's the highest dollar amount? 25. Okay, well, what kind of bonuses come with them? With who? With any of them. With any of them? Yeah. First level, you get a shout out. You're also going to get to see our faces on Twitter, which you also get for free, but um, you should donate to us because we're awesome. It goes up different levels. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what the fuck the different ones are, but at different levels, you get different things. Okay. Our most exclusive level, our $25 Patreon subscription, you get access to exclusive content. We're putting Mm -hmm. out one episode every month. No, we'll put out a little more than that. About one and a half episodes every month. 1.01 maybe? With school, realistically, it's probably two bonus episodes right now, plus video content for our highest. I'm going to put out some video content. Our highest. For our highest. Uh Oh, for the $25 donors, you get to see our lovely faces. Oh, God. Looking That's going to discourage everybody from doing that. <laughs> we'll put out two links. One that shows our faces and one that blocks our faces. <laughs> you choose. Hey, speak for yourself. My face is beautiful. <laughs> Continuing. So that's our Patreon, which I was actually going to speak about short. at the end. Subscribe to our shit. No, it goes at the beginning and the end. Subscribe to our shit. I. Yeah. That's where you say I. I. No. I. I. You're putting too much emphasis on that. I. It's just I. 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 That's better. Whatever. Getting better. (laughs) By episode 57, we'll be good. I just kicked a kid. No, that's true. So we've had our drinks. We may be drunk. And now it's time for the dead. All right. So do you remember how I put up that Twitter poll for what people wanted to hear in the Winchester Mystery House one out? Yeah. The second runner up was this particular topic, which was suggested by our listener, Lindsay. (laughs) There's a shocker. Y'all have some kind of romance going on I don't know about. I love Lindsay. Don't judge me. Lindsay and Ashley are awesome. They get podcasting and they get me. The phrase second to none just flew out the window. What? You don't get that. No. It's cool. Okay. Somebody will. (laughs) It's just like, what? All right. Second to none. Means you're the first, 
Yeah, so why did it fly out the it window? Flew out the window. We're talking about your girlfriends. Meaning I'm not the first. Whatever. You're not intellectually. You're there. just not tying your thoughts together. You're just throwing random shit you're out there not, and expecting me to pick up what you're putting You're not witty enough to pick up on it. <laughs> Who am I dealing with? You've been smoking too much, bro. Oh, my God. Okay, so my sources for this episode. Your glasses clean. You need me to clean them so you can hear better. Are All That's Interesting, Mysterious Universe, Ancient Origins, Grunge, and Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a valid source of information, and all of you fucking sixth grade teachers who told me otherwise can do something vulgar. If you know how to do your research and you look on Wikipedia, you can check your sources and make sure that they make sense. Look at the Wikipedia sources. If they don't list the sources, then you know that you can't trust it. And Wikipedia straight up tells you it doesn't have the sources. Hey, I don't know if you can trust this site. You ever seen the memes? I'm going to go off for a minute. I. You ever seen the memes? No. Where it's like, you don't even know what I'm saying. So you need to quit being ignorant. (laughs) You're being churlish right now. I know it's a no. (laughs) So word on the block is you got a story for us. I do. And my story is about the Wendigo. Who? Have you ever heard of them? In passing. I've heard about them... Mostly through pop culture, I'll be honest. What's the point of origin? The U.S. Are there any alternative spellings? Pronunciations. Well, there's a plural, Wendigog. Please use it it in a sentence. The Wendigog are insatiable. Damn. W-E-N-D-I-G-O-G. Wendigog. That's pretty close. A-G? G-O-A-G. W-E-N-D-I-G-O-A-G. Uh-huh. When a gal? You're almost like Burton Guster when in the spelling bee. He's not on my level, baby. Come on now. <laughs> Give me some credit here. Okay, so let me tell you about the Wendigo. Go ahead, eh? The First Nations Algonquin. It's a whole, like, the Algonquin, I think it was a tribe, but it's also a... A language, so it's spread among multiple tribes. So it's a whole Algonquin speaking culture. So there's, I think, multiple tribes. Algonquin, Algonquin is their language? The Algonquin speaking cultures. Yep. Okay. It was shared among at least 24 tribes of the northeastern US, Great Lakes, Ontario, and Quebec, Quebec regions of North America. So really. And I did see some places that said it went all the way out to, like, the uh, Pacific Northwest, that this was over in that area, although I don't, I don't, I really don't know. A lot of these were pretty closely tied tribes, so maybe. One legend shared amongst these tribes was of this terrible creature known as the Wendigo. The Wendigog are these insatiable, cannibalistic, humanoid creatures that devour human flesh to survive harsh winters. And I'll be honest, the first time I read cannibalistic humanoid creatures, I thought of that 1980s movie, Chud, which you've probably never seen, but it cracks me up every time I think about it. Chud stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. It was a horrible movie, but it was a great movie because it was so bad. Kind of like Fifth Element. Fuck off, man. Fifth <laughs> Element is a classic. Don't even with that shit. 
Okay, so the Wendigog. They really can never eat enough. They cannot get enough human flesh. Whenever they eat, they grow in proportion to the size of their meals, so they can never, ever possibly be satiated. They just, they're always hungry. These creatures can be as large as 15 feet tall, but they're always really emaciated. They're generally described as having- 50? 15. They're generally described as having yellow teeth, this like grotesquely long tongue that made me think of like Baba Yaga's nose, but maybe not quite as impressive. Baba Yaga used to poke her ceiling tiles. Hmm. I feel like if she had those old school like 1970s ceiling tiles, she'd poke up right through them. But to be fair, we didn't know the ceiling height on her on her house. I think they talked about her nose poking the ceiling. Right, but we didn't know where her ceiling laid with respect to her floor. Either way, her nose is pretty long and she's not sleeping on the floor. No. Um, they also have glowing eyes and sallow or decaying skin. So they're pretty gross. They're like zombies. No, eh, kind of. They're not walking dead, really. Decaying skin? They're not alive. <sighs> Let me get into it a little more, okay? They're not humans either. They're humanoid, but not humans. I guess I'll let you get into it. One Ojibwe scholar named Basil Johnston described it like this. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets, the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. That sounds like somebody I'd share a drink at the bar with. Yeah, you know, I'd, maybe a drink, but probably not an Uber, because that's going to stink. They're also sometimes described as having, like, a stag's head, and others describe them more like twisted humans. So, descriptions can vary a bit, depending. It is 24 tribes, at least, and this is shared among all of them, so the lore varies between the tribes. Right. So, how do you kill one of these things? You need silver. You have to stab it in the heart which might be the only human part that's left in it. And then when you do that, you have to shatter the heart and then dismember and cremate the body, which is pretty fucking challenging, especially when this thing is 15 feet tall. Apparently, they're really good at hiding. Like, they're sneaky. Sometimes, depending on the source, some said that they were really quick. Others said that they were really slow, but they were really crafty. So they would, like, lure they're victims to them. It's like a vampire. You have to shoot it with a silver bullet. Or is that a werewolf? That's. I think that's a werewolf. There are a lot of things that silver, apparently. Right? Like, why? Because silver is amazing, and it's pure. Okay, so is gold, so is aluminum. Not gold, man. Gold's soft. Gold's like the bitch of precious metals. You think so? Mm-hmm. So there are a few origin stories for the Wendigog. A big reason for the number of origin stories is simply 
really the sheer number of tribes that believed in it. And each one had their own version, like I said earlier, uh, that they're, they're similar, but they're not the exact same. So the first is the belief that they were once humans that resorted to cannibalism. Once they ate human flesh, even if it was necessary for them to survive, they become possessed by these evil spirits that turn them into these really awful creatures that forever hunger for another bite of long pig. Hmm. Similar but to them, would it be short pig? Only once they grow to 15. 15 foot, right? But this is saying that they start off as humans that eat other people. They're, they're forced to resort to cannibalism or they choose to resort to cannibalism. I'm going to keep you, I'm going to keep you G real with you. That's pretty gangster. Eating people? Yeah. Mm. Big W and little D were listening to an episode of E Old Crime. When they talked about uh, a little girl during the Black Plague that was forced to eat her family, and I had to explain to them why that might happen. <laughs> they were like, oh, that's very interesting. Did you know that that happens sometimes? You're very matter-of-fact kids. Why do you teach them this shit, dude? They're already fucked up children. They're going to be smart-ass kids. They're going to know all kinds of stuff. Don't why? F- what do you mean, Why? It's, I already told them it's frowned upon. Don't eat, don't eat people. <laughs> yeah, so was throwing fucking Oreo Cheerios down the stairs, but they did that this morning, did they not? I'm pretty sure they're not going to end up eating anybody. <laughs> I have nightmares, Emily. So, similarly, some believe that evil spirits possess the bodies of men who then, who, so it's men that who become too, like, greedy or selfish and then it takes control of them and drives them to cannibalism. So it's it's that greed, that selfishness is that's the insatiable hunger for something more. And then this evil spirit comes in and is like, "Oh, you wanted something that you can't have. I'm gonna turn you into this human eater, and you'll never get enough." Another version says that a warrior's tribe was suffering under war. So he made this deal with the devil. So this, to me, sounds like a really, like, European version, because I'm pretty sure that most tribes didn't have a devil. But anyway, they're suffering under war. He makes a deal with the devil, who who then turns him into the first Wendigo. After the war ended, the tribe found peace, and then they banished the Wendigo, and he could never return to his tribe. There are also, like, theories that these these beings are based upon ancient sightings of Bigfoot or werewolves that just kind of got warped over time, which I thought was pretty interesting because we know that the werewolf and particularly the Sasquatch sightings have been around forever among the native tribes also. But they, from what I can tell from the research that I've done between the two topics, I don't think that they're confusing them. I think they identify them as two different beings. They just have some similar traits. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that people may think that this is like a misidentification of Bigfoot is because one of the ways in which the Wendigo hunts is to actually lure its prey to it. And it does this by mimicking human, human voices. And then once the victim is sufficiently isolated, it feasts. And it'll do things like mimicking the sound of babies of crying women, it sounds a lot like your otter very story. Very similar to the audio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, audio. <laughs> the otter story. Very similar to the audio. 
Oh my goodness. Twice in a row. <laughs> Let's try this one again. Verily. Nope. All right. I'm going to give up. Very similar to the otter story. There we go. I just have to say it quick. Do you see why I was saying it sounded a lot like the story that I was going to be doing? No. Just at least in the way that they lured people to them. I love you. I love you. At the turn of the 20th century, large numbers of Algonquin-speaking people went missing, and many of the disappearances were blamed on the Wendigo. It was really like it was just that set in their lore. Most Wendigo sightings occurred from the early 1800s to the 1920s, though there were events recorded before and since. Around the mid-1600s, a group of Jesuits, there you go, traveled around what was then New France, like the territory of New France, which is now the Montreal and Quebec regions. Their goal, like they went in and they wanted to convert Native people to Catholicism, not Judaism, and they later published details about their encounters. In their 1661, like this happened, I think they had multiple volumes, but in their 1661 publication, they wrote about an illness which befell some of the men that had traveled ahead of them at that time. So I'm going to read a little quote for you here. Quote, Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, or frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imagination and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey and more greedily the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. So they had these Jesuits that went out ahead of them the, to go convert or kind of, I guess, lay the ground for conversion mm -hmm. that sunk into madness and wanted to eat people, and they just couldn't stop this desire to eat people. Like it just, for lack of a better word, eating them up. Ha! Now you're steady with the dad jokes. <laughs> huh? Is there such thing as a mom joke? I don't know that I've honestly ever heard the phrase. I don't think I've ever heard the phrase either, which is too bad because moms are fucking funny, man. So this illness came to be known as Wendigo psychosis, and yes, that is an actual term. When I looked it up, it's described as a culture-specific disorder with symptoms including depression, homicidal thoughts, and a compulsive desire to eat human flesh. So this was like, at least for a while, I couldn't tell if it still is uh, like a psychiatric diagnosis. One of the most famous stories of Wendigo psychosis is that of Swift Runner, who was a Cree Native American. So some of these stories are pretty... Cree Native? Cree Native American. He's from the Cree tribe. A Cree tribe. He's from the... Yeah. For sure. The Cree peoples. So I'm just going to say that these can get... These stories... It's the Wendigo. 
it drives people to cannibalism. Fair warning that these stories can get pretty dark. So in 1897, he showed up in Alberta, Canada and told police this awful and sad story. He said that his entire family, his wife, his six kids, mother, brother, they had all died due to elements or starvation in this brutal winter that had preceded. That, of course, everybody went through, so they knew it was a brutal winter. But the officers were looking at this man who seemed to be well-fed, and they instantly became suspicious. Because if his family is starving and this guy is looking like he's pretty beefy and not having that much of an issue, you're kind of going, something is a little off here. When they went to investigate the campsite where Swift Runner and his family had been, like, holed up for winter, they found an absolutely horrifying sight. They found the bones of his entire family gnawed on with the marrow sucked out. They even found a skull with a shoe jammed inside of it. So obviously this was somebody that really didn't have any respect for the dead. Like, why? Is this just boredom? I feel like jammed is not the proper term. What What would you use for cramming a shoe inside of a skull? You don't cram. Cram would imply that you were kind of working it into a space where it necessarily didn't belong. This is beyond working. This is making a space for something that didn't that didn't belong there in the first place. Okay, Mr. Thesaurus, what word would you use instead? Obliterating? They obliterated a shoe into a skull? They obliterated the skull to make way for a shoe. No, obliterating is destroying. If you okay, obliterate do you the get skull, a shoe it's... into a skull with it still in, intact? Apparently you do. You don't. Says you who who's done it so many I'm times. I'm a material, material scientist. Mm-hmm. Bone doesn't break that way. It's a very brittle material. It the cannot... skull's pretty tough. When they confronted him about it, he confessed to killing and eating all of them. He claimed that he was possessed by the Wendigo spirit, but that didn't really fly as like a good enough reason for his actions, so he ended up getting hanged. In 1907, there was an OG Cree shaman named Jack Fiddler. He had that so the Jack Fiddler was like his Christian name, his English name. Uh-huh. He had another name. I I couldn't even begin to pronounce it. It was really long, so I just I completely left right. it out. Amen, I'm brother. Sorry. That's my feeling. Last <laughs> fucking I'm sorry, episode. I can't. <laughs> but he was renowned for his Wendigo killing skills. Like he was super awesome at it. He was like the John Wick of the Wendigo. Yes, he was. So he'd claimed to have killed fourteen of them by euthanizing them. Basically, what would happen is that people would find him or call him up or whatever they did back in the day, I don't know, telegraph him and say, hey, Jack, I'm getting a hanker in for some long pig. And then he'd head over and he'd kill them, put them out of their misery. Word. Do you think that that's... This guy claiming that it was the Wendigo, whatever, taking over his body, do you think that may have been... Like the earliest form of like schizophrenia or paranoia. You talk about the guy from the last story, Swift Runner. Mm-hmm. No, I think that was somebody. Mm-hmm. I think that's somebody who took a legend and used it as an excuse for what he did. But we'll get into right, some but more would of that it. Not go against some sort of 
mental instability, right? Like somebody today would say, oh, no, I just have this disorder. That's why I did the things that I did, right? But, but, but before, not long ago, there wasn't a reasoning. There wasn't an explanation to, to what was going on inside of the brain. Well, I mean, they called it Wendigo psychosis, so they had some kind of name for it. Anyway, so Jack, Jack Fiddler, the Wendigo killer, killing all these Wendigos. One of the possessed people was this woman whom Jack was accused of strangling to get to death. Jack and his brother were arrested for the crime, which they said had to be committed because she was about to turn into a Wendigo. Before Jack could be executed, he escaped from jail and killed himself. So he completed suicide. He escaped and then killed himself? Yes. Hmm. I mean, I suppose it's better to take it in your own terms than on somebody else's. Mm. I guess so, but I feel like... I didn't see that he was convicted yet. Like, I I didn't see anywhere that he'd gone through a trial when he escaped, just that he'd been arrested. And I don't know what happened to his brother. I couldn't find that. I feel like if the, if you were in that situation, though, a trial, especially back then, wouldn't a trial... You already know your fate walking into that. Yeah, and uh, in a little bit, I'll get into some more of that, of it actually potentially being this way to kind of control a population and make them look really bad. It's just demonizing a population. For sure. Much the way the drug wars did in the 70s and 80s. To minority populations. A more contemporary event that some have related to Wendigo psychosis arose from the death of Timothy McLean on July 30th, 2008. So he was on a bus going to Manitoba, Canada, and he fell asleep. The passenger next to him was Vince Weigong Lee. I may be pronouncing that incorrectly. Did you mean Vince Vaughn? No, I did not. Okay. As Timothy slept, Vince began to violently stab him with a large knife. And, of course, everyone else on the bus is like, fuck this shit, freaks out. So the bus driver slams on the brakes and everyone gets off the bus. And they're standing outside holding the doors to the bus shut. And they're watching as Vince cut off Timothy's head and began to eat his victim. Hell no, dude. So... Please. I'd be like, who got concealed carry up in the bitch? That, so this Start is blasting shots through that window. This is not even like a rumored event. There are loads of witnesses to this event, and I found the articles about it. Police arrived, and Vince was arrested, of course. Okay, for a second, what would you do? Watching that? If you were in that situation. Throw up. That would be my first reaction. Okay, but I don't think that really would, though. Like, if you were in the situation where you were watching that, if you were, okay, not even watching, experiencing that, would you run? Would you do something? Like, you wouldn't just be thrown up. I guarantee you that. I mean, I get that. It's hard to say, but like, I don't know. I've never seen somebody eat another person before, so I really can't haven't? say. You haven't lived a life. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. So people thought that he was possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo because just the day before, he'd been delivering copies of this newspaper that had profiled a Wendigo expert. Mm -hmm. 
Ultimately, Vince was found to have schizophrenia, was deemed to not be a significant threat, and he now walks free. What did I say about the schizophrenia? Yeah, yeah. It's very worth noting that while this creature is absolutely, without a doubt, a big part of Native American culture and has been for a long time, the concept of Wendigo psychosis may really, it may very well have arisen out of racism as a way to imprison and kill Native people. So it's certainly not a term to ever use lightly or in jest. It's not a joke. It very well may have been something to control an entire population. So I I heard a bunch of different rumors that Wendigo's I heard a bunch of different rumors. I read. read. I read. <laughs> I read that. Here's when, our plug the yeah, audible. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I read that Wendigos can only possess men, although we see from some of these stories like Jack Fiddler killing the woman that, that clearly wasn't believed across all of the tribes. So it's p- potentially just men. There's the belief that there's still a human inside of them, like it envelops. They can be saved. No, they can't be saved. Once they're gone, they're gone. But uh, there's still like a human part to them, and that's what you have to kill to kill the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. They're pretty challenging to kill from the lore, based on the lore. It takes a silver bullet. A silver bullet, that w- and they're pretty... You have to dismember them and... Burn them. Well, and they're smart. They know their surroundings. They know how to trick you. Right. So, I'm just going to close it out with a little bit of something fun about the Wendigo. It has popped something up. Something fun? Yeah. It ha- you want to yeah. add that at the end just, of everything? Just give, just give me a second, okay? You should have started that off, all right? <laughs> so, it pops up a lot in culture, in pop culture. It was in an episode of Charmed. I think Piper gets scratched by a Wendigo and she starts to turn. And then if you don't eat human flesh, you don't turn into the Wendigo. I know it pops up in at least one episode of Supernatural. And they got it pretty close to the Native American lore where it's this creature that knows the woods and it's mimicking voices. And it's really like this skinny gaunt thing. Like Supernatural did it pretty well. It was nasty looking. You and your damn supernatural. Hey, it's a good show. Don't hate me. But I think perhaps possibly the most important role in pop culture for the Wendigo is it played a part in the Marvel Universe. Really? It did. It actually helped give Wolverine his start because it was the first antagonist that Wolverine ever went up against. And I, I think it was a comic where... I think it was the Hulk was battling a Wendigo and then Wolverine pops up and helps. And this is the very first time you see Wolverine and Wolverine still has like, because it's the first time Wolverine has whiskers and some other weird shit. But and his bone claws. I, I don't remember. But I thought that was pretty fun that we have the Wendigo and Marvel Universe to think for. <laughs> well, of course, we have Marvel Universe to think for. Wolverine, yeah. but yeah, that's where Wolverine got his start. Mm. And Hugh Jackman became a legend many years later. Yeah. So that is the story of the Wendigo for you. Well, thank you for sharing that. I thought that was that was a 
really interesting one to research. I, I thought was, there were so many different origin stories. I was just trying to get like the basic ones and so many different views of what it looked like or how to kill it. And it was because it was across so many nations and they each had their own kind of little version of it. But I thought it was such an interesting, interesting creature and story to cover. It certainly sounds like it. I can imagine how different cultures and different uh, mm-hmm. tribes, nations could take so many different versions of it. So thank you, Lindsay, for the suggestion because that was a really cool story. And I think now we should do our just our reminders. We've got the giveaway going. Don't forget to check out the spotlight this week, which is the ARC. Uh, Donate.thearc.org. Yep, I'll post the uh, the links in our show notes and on our social media. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. If you are willing to donate, it would be immensely helpful to us and help us continue to bring you the content that you are enjoying so much. We have merch, some really fun stuff. We have some more stuff in the works to hopefully get put up soon. And don't forget to check us out on social media. Where can they find us, baby? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like the Twitter sphere and the Facebook sphere and the Instagram sphere and the Patreon sphere. At? Um, drink. Oh, you're waiting for me? This is how it always goes every single episode. No, that's how it goes for the email, but okay. Drunk. Dead. Our email is drinkdrunkdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and tell your homies. Your homeboys, your homegirls, your home slices. And as always, thank you for listening, spirits. Don't we go. love you, and we have so much fun doing this for you guys. Shall we raise a toast? To our ghosts. Mm-hmm.